Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you for your usual Tuesday morning episode. Today I'm excited for you to listen in on an interview that I did with Nigerian author Lizzie Damilola Blackburn and we are discussing her novel Yinka, Where's Your Husband? This came out right at the beginning of 2022 um, and is a book that has gotten so much buzz, both pre- and post-release. So I hope you enjoy this interview and that you pick up the book. And then I have tons of new releases. I finally had to stop looking at the list of new releases because I knew there were just too many to cover. So I did you know, have to call a halt eventually. So let's get into it with the housekeeping information, followed by the interview, and then I'll be back to chat with you about this week's new releases. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today my guest is author Lizzie Damilola Blackburn, whose novel Yinka, Where is Your Husband?, was released here in the U.S. on January 18th. Lizzie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So could we start out with a brief introduction to Yinka, Where's Your Husband? Sure. So Yinka, Where's Your Husband is a romantic comedy and it follows the protagonist Yinka, who is a British Nigerian woman who lives in South London, Peckham. And Yinka's love life is a hot mess. Um, <laughs> her traditional Nigerian mum is pressuring her to settle down, as well as her many, many aunties. And to make matters worse, her cousin goes and gets herself engaged. And so Yinka decides to set up this plan to find a man in time for her cousin's wedding. But what kind of starts off as a very simplistic goal turns into something way more drastic. And Yinka feels as though she has to change herself in order to find love. So in addition to this being a love story, it's also a story of self-discovery, which Yinka goes on with the help of her amazing friends. You know, this is one of the things that I love so much about the kind of rom-coms that are coming out in the current climate. I think not only do we focus on the romance and we get to see someone finding their happily ever after, but we also 
get so many wonderful sort of self-discovery stories. Mm. And I think it's just, you know, it's nice to see that not only are we finding love, but we're finding kind of self-acceptance and self-love along the way. Yeah. And I think um, it's a very important message to spread as well, because I feel like um, before you even kind of enter a relationship it's very important to love yourself so that you can love the person in in the truest way possible so um, I'm glad that there's been this shift in the the romance genre. So have you been a long time romance reader or is romance something that you are kind of recently um, getting into? Yeah so um, I kind of went through like a reading slump like when I was like in my late teens to early 20s I think because the internet came around and I just kind of stopped breathing and so (laughs) so when um I started reading again um I did kind of go to um tentative romance and chiclet so I I really love authors such as Lindsay Kelk and Sophie Kinsella and I just love how heartwarming and uplifting their stories are and also their brilliant writing styles as well So Lindsay Kelk has been on my um, list of authors to try um, for a little while now. I've also heard really great things about Sophie Kinsella, um, but I've never actually read her. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that. (laughs) Oh, you won't regret it. Trust me. Like, she's hilarious. (laughs) And it's very easy as well. Very easy read. Um, So you probably finish it in probably one sitting. (laughs) Ah, Yes. Those are sometimes like the very best books that you can yeah. just like, dive into and totally immerse yourself. Mm-hmm. So what sort of prompted you to write this particular story? Yeah, so I started writing um, this story way back when I was in my early to mid 20s. And my dear mom was asking me about the whereabouts of my husband, even though I you know, not long ago, just graduated. Um, And so I decided to use my experience as inspiration to write a story about um, a British Nigerian woman going through the same thing. Um, But the funny thing is that it started off as a short story, which I had on a blog that I ran called Christian Data Dilemmas. And the reason why I set this blog up is because I wanted to see more stories with um, Christian characters, especially in mainstream fiction. Um, And so that's kind of how the, the idea came about. <laughs> but the decision to turn it into a novel came when I met this fantastic author called Jackie Lay at this blogging workshop I attended. And I shared my blog with her because I wanted some feedback on my writing. And in addition to giving me like really helpful, constructive feedback, she said, oh, I really love this Ginga character. And I think you should turn that into a novel. And so I did. And I kind of went into it blindly, (laughs) not knowing the magnitude of what it takes to write a book. (laughs) So when you're looking at something that you originally created as a short story and you look at expanding it into a novel, um, what was that process like for you? Yeah, so from the very beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. I was basically just kind of writing anything that comes to mind and so the first year and a half I was just like starting and restarting um and it wasn't until I read this amazing book called Story Engineering by Larry Brooks and he basically like just broke down you know what storytelling is and 
that's when I learned that storytelling is an, a craft. It's a form of art and it needs to be like conflict and structure and themes and compelling characters. So from that point forward, I started to invest in myself as a writer. So I attended like workshops and did a few online creative writing courses and started to read more as well. And that's when I saw a shift in not just my writing, but also Inca's story. And that's how it, it evolved. But um, it was a very long process, like probably five years in total. Um, but yeah, very rewarding as well. So once you kind of understood the ways that you you know, were going to craft the novel, did you try to have like writing goals every day or how did you kind of keep up your momentum once you got it? Yeah, so it was a very busy time for me when I was writing Yinka because like during that time I got engaged, I had a wedding to plan, you know, um, I bought a property with my husband, we moved to Milton Keynes. And so it was a case of just trying to squeeze writing, you know, in any way that any time that I had. And so um whether that was, you know, writing in the early hours of the morning or sometimes writing at work. So they have at work, they had um, a quiet room, which you could use for like private calls. And sometimes I'd bring my laptop in and work in there. So, yeah, it was just a case of trying to squeeze time to write where I could. I hear so often from authors who say, you know, oh, yes, I have to get up at like 4 a.m., so that yeah. I have some writing time <laughs> um, and I always just really admire that dedication because I don't <laughs> think if I had to get up at 4 a.m. to do something, um, I'm kind of <laughs> sure that I wouldn't actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a struggle and I love my sleep as well. So it was a struggle. Yeah, I'm just not a morning person. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I, I could make that work for myself. So now that at the time that we're recording this, um, Yinka has been in the world for a few days now. What do you kind of see for yourself coming next as a writer? Yeah, so I've always said to myself that um, I will write books that I want to read or I want to see in the bookshelves. So I'm very passionate about um, including black characters because I don't feel like we see enough of that in mainstream fiction. So um, I'm going to, I guess, stay true to my passion and to my mission. And I'm currently writing book two at the moment. Um, can't say too much about it, but um, it is kind of loosely connected to Yinka's world. So I think fans of Yinka will be excited to hear that. Um, but yeah, it's just as hard as writing um, book one. <laughs> I don't think it gets easier. <laughs> So are there things that you learned from writing book one that you've kind of been able to carry with you into working on your second book? Oh, yeah, for sure. If anything, I think sometimes knowing too much kind of it's not a good thing because um, you can be in your head and over scrutinize, whereas for the first draft, you just need to just word from it. Um, and I think one thing that I've learned is to you know, have the objective of each chapter in mind, like, you know, what's the conflicts, what's the the stakes involved, um, and not just to kind of have a scene, if that makes sense, just paint the scene for for the sake of it. Um, So, yeah, I've learned, yeah, lots from from book one. I think just knowing 
that it's a process and it will take time and it's going to, you know, entail lots of rewrites. So I'm not kind of walking into it blindly as I was when I was writing book one. I want to pivot back a bit to what you were saying about representation, because I think over the past several years, there has been a, a bigger push for inclusivity in mm. publishing. And in some ways, it seems like we have made strides toward being more inclusive. But in other ways, it also seems that we have a really long way to go. Now, I'm looking at this from sort of the American market um, because of where I live. And I think inclusivity is not not where we would want it. But I'm wondering um, in the UK, kind of what does what does that look like? Yeah, so I think there has definitely been a shift, especially after like the Black Lives Matter movement um, kind of woke publishing up last year. And mm-hmm. I am sitting, I am seeing, sorry, um, lots of like initiatives to try and um, publish underrepresented authors, whether that's like mentoring schemes or competitions or things like that. And even with um, Penguin, so they've collaborated with um, a rapper called Stormzy. I'm not too sure whether you're familiar with him, but he's set up his own imprint specifically for diverse books called murky books and oh. um yeah it's, it's doing like great stuff like it's um published lots of like amazing authors first-time authors as well and also um this independent publisher called jacaranda they published um 20 black british authors in 2020 which you know is a great achievement so um i am seeing like shifts happen i just hope it's like here to stay and not a trend. Um, I'm so happy with what I'm seeing at the moment. Yes, I think we definitely, you know, publishing goes through trends. And so mm. I think it's important that inclusivity not be a trend, but be something that sticks around. Um, do you have kind of words of, of wisdom or advice <laughs> for people who are underrepresented that might be looking kind of for a way in to writing or publishing yeah I would say just like any opportunity that you see just kind of go for it I I know we all have that inner critique like am I good enough or um you know am I I I think I'm rubbish I don't think I'm I can even call myself a writer and that's totally normal to have those feelings but um I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't applied for the literacy consultancy and Pen Factor competition back in 2019. So I think it's just always good to kind of put yourself out there because you never know what will come out of that. And it could be even just being shortlisted or longlisted, but you have like a contact that you can get in touch with and ask for feedback. And, you know, um, I just feel like there's no harm in asking for help or no harm for harm, you know, in terms of reaching out because the worst they can say is no. But I think you'd be surprised to know that people are actually really, you know, looking to help people or at least put them in contact with someone that can. That's awesome. I think we often view writing as kind of a a solitary thing where you don't perhaps get as much help as you might Mm. think that you want or need. 
And so it's really encouraging to hear that there are people out there who are, you know, actively trying to make those contacts and give people the kind of mentorship that perhaps they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Like I've even had a few um, writers reach out to me on Instagram and, you know, I'm, I've given up my time to have phone conversations with them or to just like send them different links that I think they'll find helpful because I've been in that position before. So, yeah, I just feel like um, we should all kind of do our part and help each other. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> so what kind of things do you read? I know you said that you had kind of turned more toward romance and mm. chiclet, but are there particular like types of romances that you enjoy or are there other genres that you also read? Yeah, do you know what? I'm pretty much open to most things. I don't really read like crime or um historical fiction, but I do love like um stories with um like based on family drama. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, I do like psychological like suspense thrillers as well. Um and I do I do love stories with like a diverse cast too um so I think I'm actually quite biased to like diverse books because we don't see enough of them um but yeah I'm pretty much open to to anything really and and I really love page turners I I love the ones that kind of keep me up to like 2 a.m in the morning like I oh yes yeah yeah (laughs) those are I think the the best best yeah I love those books (laughs) so what have you read recently that you think the world should know about Yes, so um, I read this book called Hope and Glory by Jandela Benson, which is out in April um, in the UK. I'm not too sure when it's out in the US. And it's also set in Peckham as well. And it follows um, this girl called, or young woman called Glory, who just come back from LA to London after hearing of the passing of her dad. But then she comes home to like lots of family drama, you know, her... Her brother is in prison. Um, her mom is having like a nervous breakdown. And it's such a, a beautiful, well-written book. And I found it so relatable. Um, and I think a lot of people out there with like dysfunctional families or didn't have the best upbringing will find it a, a comfort read as well. Yes, I think there's so much about family dynamics that people can relate to, even if your family doesn't function, you know, in the exact same way mm-hmm. as the family in the book, you can sometimes see glimmers of like, oh, you know, this reminds yeah. me of when we, you know, do X thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you are someone who, you know, it's basically not um, like you hadn't always planned to be a writer, I'm guessing, from what you've said, like that you kind of didn't know for sure. Um, how you were going to to do this. And as you have gotten more familiar with your craft, is this something that you can kind of see yourself continuing to do over time and kind of growing and changing with your writing? Yeah, I really do hope so that I can do this over time. And I actually want to um, kind of go into screenwriting as well. Um, oh. Yeah, so um, I would love to turn like one of my stories into a film or I don't know um, a tv series like this I'm thinking like dreams here <laughs> um, <laughs> but also I'm really into skincare 
And my husband's always telling me to set up like some sort of skincare business. So who knows, like maybe I will do that as well at some point in the future. (laughs) That would be kind of awesome. Yeah. I see a really big connection between books and screen lately. Like so many things Mm -hmm. that start out as books come out as either movies or maybe like a Netflix miniseries. Um, I'm wondering if you've seen any adaptations lately that you've been particularly happy with. Oh, good question. Um, I think I haven't read the book, but I know um, you, the TV series on Netflix was based on a book. Yes, Carolyn Kepnes. Have you read the book? I have not yet. Okay. I keep looking at it at my library and it's always (laughs) like, super like the whole list is super long um but it's one that I do I do plan to read at some point soon I hope yeah yeah same here like it's really good uh, it, it seems like it'll be a page turner as well I have not wanted to actually start the series until I've read the book oh. <laughs> I'm usually one of those people who reads the book and then does the series um so I haven't I haven't done that one yet. Did mm-hmm. you join the the Bridgerton craze in 2020? Um, I did watch it, but I don't think I was like a you know a fanatic. <laughs> like I was, ah. I, I loved it. I thought it was great, but I wasn't like crazy about it. <laughs> so are you um, anticipating the release of the second season, or are you kind of happy with like where things left were left in season one and? perhaps not um, as excited as, as about season two. Well, I heard the Duke is not going to come back in season two. And um, I really liked his character and he was actually very good to look at as well. So <laughs> um, I'm pretty, you know, I, I haven't been holding my breath, to be honest with you, <laughs> for season two. You, you are in good company. I know a lot of people were very sad um, <laughs> that he wasn't going to reappear in in season two um I first discovered Julia Quinn like back in the early 2000s and so I was pretty familiar with the series quite a while before the you know they even planned to turn it into a Netflix thing um but once they did I really loved it and I am eager to see kind of how they how they do the series as a whole um, I think historical romance is not something that we see a lot on screen. I think we have a lot of kind of contemporaries. We have a lot of rom-coms. Um, mm. but there's not a lot of historical, like, and, and historical romance versus, like, just, you know, a movie set in a historical period. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there are a ton of those out there mm. that people yeah, can actually yeah, view. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I'm kind of jumping back to your reading preferences, but do you have a romance trope that you particularly love? Hmm. I do love like enemies to lovers. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like I do love like the banter and how like at the beginning they hate each other's guts and then all of a sudden they're ripping each other's clothes off. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably my favorite one. And is there one that you are not particularly fond of where, you know, if you see it, you're just like, oh, I, I don't think this is for me. 
Um, no, not really, because I feel like it's very hard to kind of think of something original. So um, I kind of give each author grace <laughs> and it might surprise me with the characters as well. So it might be something that's been done time and time again. So um, like love triangles or like um, oh, yeah. friends to lovers. But if the characters are compelling, then I'm all for it. So like for me, it's the kind of secret baby stories that oh, okay. I struggle <laughs> with where, you know, it's like, the person comes back and it's been, you know, 15 years and they discover that, you know, they have a, a teenage daughter now. <laughs> and for some reason, those are just not stories that, that I'm drawn to. And so, although I have read some that are done well, it's, it's not a thing that I, I gravitate toward when yeah, I'm yeah. picking, you know, romance. And I think stories where the romance is based on kind of that, like, I don't want to say miscommunication because it's not a miscommunication oh. if you, like, don't tell someone that they yeah, have a yeah, child. Yeah. But that sort of, like, if you had just, you know, told X thing, um, you know, I find myself kind of losing patience with, with characters when communication is sort of, like, yeah. obviously skipped over. Mm. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I hate that as well. Like, just open your mouth and just <laughs> just spit it out. <laughs> right, yeah. let's say the thing. You yeah. know, if, if you're angry about something, you know, say that. Don't, like, go off in a huff for five years yeah. because, <laughs> you know, somebody said or, or did something that you, that you dislike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I want people to to communicate. And I think, you know, there's a a difference, I think, in what we expect from romance versus like what we tolerate in real life. Like obviously Mm. things that happen in romances are not always things that you want to happen to you in real life. But I feel like communication in both books and our, you know, actual existence um, is is so important and sometimes just downplayed in a way Mm -hmm. that I that I struggle with yeah no I, I'm the same as well yeah when you said that, I was like oh actually yeah that does mean as well <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you like kind of grew up reading romance like I read you know some of those early historicals and I was probably you know way too young to do so but I, I did okay <laughs> and it it worked you know it worked for me but I just remember even thinking, you know, as like a teenager, like, well, if people just said X thing, mm. it would be so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember actually writing um, a story and it was kind of based on that premise. And I just had to scrap it because I was getting frustrated myself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'm guessing that if you are frustrated with the thing that you're writing, it would uh, stand to reason that perhaps readers might also be. Yeah. <laughs> so do you see any, like you said that you wanted to write books, you know, that, that you wanted to read basically that you, that you wanted to see on a bookshelf. Do you find a lot of kind of parallels in the things that you're hoping to see and the things that are actually coming out, or are there things that you think we're still like not quite hitting the mark on? 
I think from Black British authors that are coming out, especially this year, I am I am seeing it. I'm, I'm super excited as well. So um, there's one author called Balu Babalola, um, and she's the author of Loving Colour, like a short stories um, collection. But her f- debut is coming out this year, and um, the setting is in university, but it also kind of follows that society of like, we have what's called African Caribbean Society here in the UK. I'm not too sure what the equivalent is in the, the US, but um, it's basically like just a community of black people in uni kind of coming together and just kind of hanging out or doing events. And it's a, a romance, but that's kind of like the backdrop. And so I'm really excited about that because um, it's something that I can relate to because I was part of the African Caribbean Society when I, I was at university and um yeah I'm just so proud of like the Black British authors coming out this year or you know have published in the past because I feel like I can see myself in myself in, in the book. I hope that we get some of those releases here in the U.S. as well I know sometimes you know they don't always cross over um, from one country to another but I'm very, very excited for some of the things that I'm hearing about, and I do hope that they make their way here. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule, especially so soon after <laughs> your book came out, because um, we are recording just the day after. Yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate your time so that listeners can, you know, get a sense of, of who you are and the kind of stories that you tell. No worries. It's been such, yeah, such fun as well. Um, Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Damilola Lizzie or Instagram at Lizzie Dami Blackburn. Awesome. And again, we are discussing or we have been discussing Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? by Lizzie Damilola Blackburn. All right, so it is the first Tuesday in April, and there are so many books out this week. I I have no words that will properly convey the amount of greatness that we are in for. So let's get started. As always, I have a few that we've mentioned before. Starting with The Sign for Home by Blair Fell. This is a love story um, that deals with disability. It was one of my most anticipated April releases. Um, We then move on to one of Brooks, which is The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. I love Sally Hepworth so much. This is one that I'm also looking forward to, along with Melissa and Natalia. Um, Kristen has a couple of books that she's excited about this week. The Shadow House by Anna Downs. And she, Kristen, I mean, she, Natalia, Stacy, Brooke, Georgina, and I are all looking forward to the new Brendan Novak book, which is Summer on the Island. Then Stacy, all of the books that she um, anticipated in April are out today. 
So, of course, she and Kristen are both super excited for the new J.R. Ward. This is Lover Arisen, Black Dagger Brotherhood, number 20. There is also the new Tiff Marcello book. This is an author that I really want to check out. Um, this is the second book in her Heart Resort series, and it's called Know You by Heart. And... Stacy is also looking forward to a historical. This is Girls of Flight City by Lorraine Heath, um, who is best known for writing romances set in England or in the American West. She is now um, moving ahead to the World War II for the Girls of Flight City. So those are some books that you've heard us talk about before. So let's move on now to some books that we haven't mentioned previously. First up, we have At Least You Have Your Health by Maddie Sinha. Um, this is a women's fiction about health and wellness and also a terrifying secret. I enjoyed this one a lot. I was fortunate enough to read an early copy, and it has made me very, very happy. So this is At Least You Have Your Health by Maddie Sinha. We also have Lost and Found in Paris by Leanne Dolan. Um, she came out with uh, the Sweeney Sisters a couple of years ago. It was either the early part of 21 or late 2020. But she's back again with a novel involving the art world and lots of love and intrigue, a family secret, um, a cheating husband, you know, lots of things are going on here. And she's hoping that a trip to Paris will make it better. This is Lost and Found in Paris by Leanne Dolan. We also have The Wedding Crasher by Mia Sosa. And this is a fake dating situation. Apparently, two strangers get caught up in a lie and in order to get out of it, they have to pretend to be in a relationship. As I'm sure you've guessed by now, fake relationship books are pretty popular with the beastresses. So this is one that I'm pretty sure a bunch of us will be picking up. It's The Wedding Crasher by Mia Sosa. We then have Sorry, Not Sorry. And it's Sorry, S-A-R-I, as in the garment, um, not the emotion. And this is by Sonia Singh. It's about a woman who is trying to connect with her South Asian roots. Um, at the same time, she's also managing, I don't know if it's like, like an app. It's some kind of thing that helps people go through breakups. And she ends up getting herself into a situation where she agrees to be the pretend date. So here we go with the fake dating again um, of one of her clients for his brother's Indian wedding. And this, of course, helps her connect with those roots that she's been kind of yearning to understand better. Um, and it looks like it's a lot of fun. This is Sorry, Not Sorry by Sonia Singh. Ashley Winstead, who I just discovered earlier this year with a mystery novel, um, In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, has a new book out this week. This is Fool Me Once. It is not a mystery. This is a contemporary romance, enemies to lovers, battle of the exes kind of book. 
And I really loved her suspense, and so I'm eager to see how she handles the transition to romance. Um, Because, you know, writing a creepy mystery is a lot different than writing a swoony love story. So I'm eager to see how this plays out. This is Fool Me Once by Ashley Winstead. We also have a historical romance. This is To Marry and To Meddle. Regency Vows, number three, by Martha Waters. And I have heard such delightful things about this series. I have the first one um, on hold at my public library, and it hasn't come in yet. But I really, really want to read this. So this one is about a woman who is in need of a husband. And it so happens that she falls for a man who is an actor and runs a theater this, I'm guessing, does not go over very well in high society. And I'm guessing that we have some hijinks to look forward to. This is To Marry and To Meddle, Regency Vows, Book 3, by Martha Waters. And now I'm going to move on to some historical fiction, as opposed to historical romance. And The Lives of Diamond Bessie is out this week. This is based on a real person. It's by Jody Hadlock. And it is kind of a cross-genre book, um, a historical mystery. I've heard she has some paranormal elements woven into the story. So I'm pretty excited about this. It's done by a smaller press, so I'm not sure how widely available it will be in terms of like libraries and such. But I do know that it is out in print and ebook, and this is *The Lives of Diamond Bessie* by Jody Hadlock. Amanda Macrina is releasing *The Silent Unseen*. This is another World War II story, this time set in Poland, about a teenage girl who is trying to find her missing brother. Um, she released another book either last year or in 2020 called Traitor, um, which I have not read yet, but is on my list of things to read, as this book will be as well. So this one is The Silent Unseen by Amanda Macrina. Bluebird by Genevieve Graham. This is a book that I've been looking forward to for quite a while, and it's finally here. Um, It is set in the Prohibition era, and it is about a soldier and an artist and a family secret that will bind them together in ways they cannot imagine. Um, I'm familiar with Genevieve Graham in terms of like the dual timeline novels that she's written. She's got some World War II stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of Prohibition era books. So this is one that I definitely plan to check out. It's Bluebird by Genevieve Graham. If you love Jane Austen, you are probably excited about the new Tears of Price. This is Sense and Second Degree Murder, a Jane Austen murder mystery book two. Um, Tears of Price is a Book Riot contributor, so if you listen to their podcasts, um, you may be familiar with her. And the first book in this series came out last year, and a lot of people love it. Um, It basically makes Jane Austen into a detective, and it is a young adult historical mystery. So this is Sense and Second Degree Murder 
a Jane Austen murder mystery book two by Tears of Price. And now I'm moving into some contemporary thrillers. We have Very Bad People by Kit Frick. And if you love books set in boarding schools, this one is for you. So this is about a girl who's trying to understand her mother's mysterious death. And somehow, I don't know how, I hope to know how very soon though, this causes her to dig into this secret society at her boarding school. And apparently there's like a revenge plot woven in here. Um, it looks like there's a lot going on and I am very excited for it. This is Very Bad People by Kit Frick. We then have All the Best Liars by Amelia Kahaney. This is another young adult twisty thriller. Um, I saw this up on my public library's website. I, of course, put myself on hold for it because with a title like this, like that's all I need to know, right? All the best liars. Um, there's a lot of lies that go on in, in thriller world. And I'm very excited to see where this one takes us. It's All the Best Liars by Amelia Kahaney. Then we have Not Me. This is Camille Grace, book one by Kate Bold. Um, she's written some other stuff before. I've actually not read any of it. This is the first one that's popped onto my radar. Um, but it is about a series of murders in the Deep South and an FBI agent who is tied to this area, but has vowed never to return. Of course, because of the murders, she does have to return. And this kind of reminds me of like Slow Heat in Heaven by Sandra Brown, um, possibly Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. And anything that reminds me of Sharp Objects is super amazing. So I'm very, very excited about this. This is Not Me, Camille Grace, book one by Kate Bold. And if you're looking for like a heist novel, there is Portrait of a Thief. This is by Grace D. Lee. It is a debut novel about a series of, of crimes that cause a group of misfits to attempt a great heist. There's something very, very cool about like thieves and kind of, you know, like underdogs banding together to pull something off. Um, I don't obviously promote this type of thing in real life, but it is a lot of fun to read about. So I'm looking forward to this. It's Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. So I'm ending with some young adult contemporary and one young adult fantasy. This is the fantasy. It is Belmort, Belmort number one by Bella Higgins. This is a vampire novel set in New Orleans. Vampires are kind of like the celebrities here and humans are their donors. Our heroine walks into a vampire nest looking for her missing sister. This is something I will definitely be reading just as soon as I can. It is Belmort, Belmort book one by Bella Higgins. We then have, Does My Body Offend You? This is by Myra Cuevas and Marie Marcotte. 
it is a young adult novel about social justice and about women being blamed for the way boys view their bodies. Um, it's told in alternating points of view by two different girls who are differently affected by the dress code at their school and how they decide to team up to bring about some change. Um, this is another one that is on hold for me at the public library, and it is Does My Body Offend You? by Myra Cuevas and Marie Marcotte. And now I'm totally ending. This is the last book for today. It's Nothing Burns as Bright as You by Ashley Woodfolk. Um, Ashley Woodfolk has written so many like deeply affecting young adult novels. Um, I have a couple that I haven't read yet, but they're so like deep and evocative. Um, I think she really taps into the high emotions that go into being a teenager. And so this one is one that I've been excited for for a while. I'm guessing it will make me cry um, as her books usually do. So this is Nothing Burns As Bright As You, and it is by Ashley Woodfolk. And that is all I have for you today. There are many, many more books out, but as I said, I just don't have the time to go through like the huge amount of them with you that you know actually deserve your attention. But I hope that this has given you kind of a sampling of things to look for. And as always, I hope everyone is staying safe and reading a lot of great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.